Hey, Heritage family, I'm so glad that you're tuning in online with us today. You know, each and every week, I love that we get to connect with each other through worship, scripture, and learning together. And actually, over this past season, as a church body, we've been intentionally engaging in practices that help us come before God with all that we are, engaging our mind, body, spirit, and how we connect with community. You know, in doing this, I personally have continued to grow and understand more and more about the character and goodness of God. And we are actually starting a new series today called Fit for Life, and I'm so excited about this because throughout this journey, we're going to be digging deeper into understanding how to be fully present and bring all that we are before a living God who desires relationship and intimacy with us and invites us to continually understand who He is, who He created us to be, and who He desires we become. So over the next hour or so, we invite you to be fully present as we connect with God and one another through worship, prayer, and engaging God's word. And actually, as we step into this first song, we're gonna be singing and declaring a song exactly about the character of God. It's this beautiful nuance and juxtaposition of God being the lion of Judah, while at the same time being the lamb slain on our behalf. I think thinking through these things intently creates opportunity for us to grow and to understand more about the goodness and wonder of God, that we can never stop knowing more and growing in our understanding of who God is and who he's calling us to be. So as we engage in this, I wanna encourage you, if you're coming today watching this online and you're saying, man, I, I don't know if, if I do know much about the character of God or I'm, I'm struggling with these things in my life, I want to encourage you today that God is the Lion of Judah who goes before you, who fights on your behalf, while at the same time, he's the lamb that was slain for you and who knows you intimately and is calling you deeper into relationship with him. So let's come before him together with all that we are as we worship. to save is 
Let go 
Hey friends, I gotta tell you, springtime is one of my favorite times of the year. I love feeling the air turn warm. I love watching new growth burst from the ground, from tulips to hostas to just plain old green grass. It's always fun to see the leaves start to fill in what used to be pretty bare sight lines. Spring also brings back baseball, right? My favorite sport. And one of my favorite things to do is to mow my lawn as I listen to the radio broadcast of the Cardinals beating up on the Cubs. I love that, right? Now, above all of those things, I've always, always gotten a kick out of how the season of Eastertide is situated around springtime, at least for those of us in the Northern Hemisphere. All around us, we see reminders of resurrection. And, and I hope that each of us, we take time this season to reflect upon our own lives, to reflect upon how God wants to leverage his resurrection power on our behalf for our bodies and our minds and our spirits. How he, he wants to help bring about a new thing in our lives. In fact, I wanna invite us to prayerfully reflect upon a statement written by the Apostle Paul, found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Allow these words to minister to you and to encourage you. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone a new life has begun. Friends, this is extraordinary news. God is the master at taking something that appeared dead and buried and restoring and breathing new life into it. He's able to take something old and turn it into something new. And in this spring season, I wanna encourage you to reflect upon this question. In fact, I'm gonna let you sit in this question for a couple of seconds. What is the new thing God is desiring to accomplish in you and through you. Now, as that question just bounces around your heart, allow me to pray a short prayer over us. Oh, resurrecting God, may you allow new life to burst forth in each of us. Help us to hand over every area of our lives, body, mind, and spirit, so that we can be made new in every way. We ask for you to pour out your resurrection power in those spaces in our lives that need restoration, that need renewal. Transform us, mold us, shape us more and more into your image. We pray all of these things in the saving name of Jesus. Amen. There's a moment in the life of Jesus, in his ministry, where somebody approaches him and asks him a question that probably each of us has asked at some point or another. Or if we haven't, we probably will. And at its heart, the question is this. 
if God were to rank what's most important for us, what would he say? If you could sit down for a cup of coffee with the Lord and ask him what it is that he's most expecting of us, what would it be? If we could find out what it looks like to sort of unlock pursuing our purpose and living into it, experiencing the fullness of life that God has for us that Jesus promised us, what would it be? You see, the person who approaches Jesus in this moment in the book of Mark is asking him, which is the greatest commandment? He's asking kind of specifically of the 613 commandments in the Old Testament, which one would God rank as most significant? Not necessarily most important, but, but the one that carries the greatest oomph behind it. And Jesus gives an answer. It's one that hopefully will reveal to us the answer to those questions. What does it look like to experience and fulfill our purpose? What does it look like to know that we're walking in a way that will please God and lead us into the fullness of life? So here's Jesus' response in the book of Mark chapter 12. He says, the most important one, the most important command is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. This is the invitation that Jesus is giving to all who will listen. It's the invitation that he's giving to us as well. And over the course of the next several weeks, we're rooting a conversation in what Jesus declares as the greatest of commandments, to know that the Lord our God is one, that we are to love him with all of who we are, not in separate bits and pieces, but holistically as body, mind, spirit, in community, as we love our neighbor as ourselves. This is what we're rooting the conversation called fit for life in. And over the course of the next couple weeks, we're specifically focusing on how we do that, how we experience the fullness of life Jesus invites us into in our bodies. Because you see, this conversation actually comes out of an interaction where there's a discussion about whether or not the resurrection from the dead is a real thing. And Jesus says, you would be foolish if you don't believe that that's a real thing. I mean, the man did predict and confirm his own death and resurrection, right? He is inviting us into this space, the fullness of life that he came to bring in body, mind, spirit, and community. So as we press into this conversation, it's important for us to understand that there's kind of a presumption here that Jesus is presuming we understand and agree on this one thing, that our bodies are part of our eternal stories. Our body is part of our eternal story. Again, he had just had a conversation about the resurrection of these bodies, that in the last day, God will call our bodies back to life. And we'll, we'll have something different when it comes to body and yet the same. It's this reminder that our bodies are part of our eternal story. And it's difficult for us to overstate the importance of how we live as body, mind, spirit, and community. How we live within and in these bodies that God has given us. In fact, throughout the scriptures, there's never a sense that somehow our body is disconnected from the rest of life. You see, I think some of us walk through life with 
a misunderstanding that our body is simply a container for mind and spirit that can be discarded at the end of our days. But that's not Jesus' understanding, and it shouldn't be ours. Our bodies are part of our eternal story. And what we do with and in our bodies really, really matters. It's hard to overstate how much how we live within and through our bodies really matters. You know, one of the first times that I was overwhelmed with the awareness of how much how we live in our bodies and with our bodies matters was when I was probably about 14 or 15 years old. My brother Anthony would have been 12 or 13 at the time. And we were working on that little ranch that my grandparents had, and there happened to be a, a, a girl visiting the ranch. We'll call her Sydney. And my brother fell head over, fe- head over heels for Sydney. And he decided that he wanted to show off the greatness of his athletic talent for her. He was going to try to win her over by showing off what he could do. Now, what you need to understand is that my brother Anthony and I both come from the same gene pool, okay? So you know this about me. I'm about as athletic as a potato. He's, you know, a little bit more athletic, but not all that great when it comes to stuff of physicality. And so here he was on this great big jungle gym that my grandfather had built for us. And at one point, he gets on the balance beam connected to this, not very high off the ground, but high enough, and you'll see here in a moment why, where he does this weird little twisty pirouette thing that ends up flipping him off the balance beam. He landed on the hard desert floor with a thud and a snap. We all knew that something terrible had happened. He rolled over there on the ground with a groan and a moan, and we could tell just by looking at the bulge on his arm that he had suffered a pretty significant bone break. Now, I have to tell you, as a teenage boy, that was one of the coolest things I had ever seen. It was also kind of gross, but I loved that my brother, for the sake of young love, was willing to put it all out there, was willing to risk everything so that he could impress this girl, Sydney. In fact, when we finally gathered him up and kind of put him in the backseat of the car so that an adult could rush him to the hospital, the question he asked me with his eyes welling with tears but not wanting to cry in front of everybody was, do you think she saw that? I mean, buddy, everybody saw it. But I was super impressed. I wasn't the one he was trying to impress, but I was. And it reminds me, in a way, of a passage of Scripture that reveals again for us just how significant it is that we live with and in our bodies as whole people. It's found in Romans chapter 12, the very first verse. This writer, a man named Paul, is speaking to a group of followers of Jesus as they're trying to figure out what it looks like to pursue God, to please him, to make a difference in their world, to live with unity. And this is what the writer says in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. He says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. You see, our bodies are part of our eternal story. What we do with and in our bodies matters. 
And the writer here reminds you and me that worship is much more than just a feeling that we have or words that we say. Worship is always a physical thing. In fact, throughout the scriptures, many times when we see worship in the Bible, it's actually speaking about a posture of the body more than it is about the words that we say or sing. And so the writer here is saying, hey, this body that you are in, it is a living sacrifice. And when you choose to give yourself wholly to God as you are in your body, that is true and proper worship. Now, I think if we let that settle into us, if we soak in it for a minute, it's kind of overwhelming. It's a little bit mind-blowing even. Again, because so many of us have been taught that these bodies we get to abide in and with, that there's some separate piece of who we are. But just as the gospel writers, the scripture writers understand that we not only have body, we are body. We not only have mind, we are mind. We not only have spirit, we are spirit. That all of this, as we live in holistic pursuit of God, as we pursue him as the one God, as one person in community with others, we find that he starts to, to heal our fracturing and invite us into spaces where, again, we start to experience what it looks like to live fully into the purpose he has for us, to find just what it is to offer ourselves in a way of worship that maybe we never anticipated. How we live, what we do with and in these bodies matters. They're part of our eternal story. In fact, the, the writer actually is continuing a thought in this. And I, I want us to step back just one verse so we can get a clearer picture maybe of what he's inviting us into. In the book of Romans, verse 1136, he says, for from him, this is God, for from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, your true and proper worship. Everything that we have, everything that we see, everything that we encounter is from, through, and for God. Everything including our bodies. And if that is true, then the writer is saying, so because it is true, we need to offer everything that we live in physically as our true and proper act of worship. It's one of those things where how we live in our body can move us closer to the thriving place that God has for us or further and further away from it. But he came that we could have life, have it overwhelming in its fullness. So what does it look like? What does it look like for you and for me to chase after him with all of who we are, to really be fit for life with him? These are just a couple of the passages of scripture that litter the Bible with invitation to be fully present in our bodies, to let God lead us physically into what matters most. And that's our invitation here today. Now, before we go any further, I, I think it is important for us to actually take a moment to name something that can hold us back from experiencing the fullness that God has for us. To name something that can 
keep us from offering ourselves wholly in body as those who are giving our proper service of worship and sacrifice to him. It is the thing of shame. And I think perhaps there's no greater place than our bodies where you and I can encounter and live in shame. But shame is not part of God's design or desire for us. We're not the first ones to deal with shame when it comes to our bodies. And think about it. Some of us have been taught that we need to live in shame because of what we are able, what we are not able to do that we want to do. Because of what in our bodies isn't functioning the way that we think it should. Because of how we look or how much weight we carry or some of the decisions we made. Even some of the actions that we have taken, those sinful things that have moved us further away from God's heart. For us. And we live in a space where we are ashamed. And you see, the thing about shame is that it's really a place of hiding. When we live in shame, we hide from those around us. We tuck ourselves away from God's great invitation of mercy and grace and healing. And we kind of convince ourselves that either we're unlovable or, or maybe nobody could see us for what we are. That until we get that thing right, then we're not worthy of interaction. We're not worthy of mercy and love and connection with others. And friends, I want to tell you, nothing could be further from the truth. That is not true. You see, throughout the scriptures, the invitation for us is not to be ashamed. In fact, we do not need to be ashamed. The invitation of the Bible is to move out of shame into the fullness of life that God has for us, to recognize that he alone is the one who forgives and redeems and restores. That includes what is going on in our body. The very first act of sin happened a long, long time ago in a garden temple called Eden. It was a physical act where Eve and Adam chose to pick some fruit and eat it, to digest it as an act of mistrust about God's heart and goodness for them. And immediately, it says, the scripture says, they knew that they were naked and afraid. They were ashamed. And they began to find ways of covering up their shame. That has been our story for generations. Whenever we live into something less than God's best for us, we find ourselves running and hiding and trying to cover it up. But Jesus invites us to come into the light with him, to experience fullness of life. You see, we do not need to be ashamed, but we cannot stay as we are. We don't need to be ashamed, but we cannot stay as we are. There's actually a, a passage of scripture that addresses this very thing. I want to read it over us in these moments. It's in 1 Corinthians, which is written by the same guy who just invited us to make our bodies living sacrifices as true and proper worship. He's interacting with a group of Christ followers who have made really terrible physical decisions about what they're doing with and in their bodies. They're moving further and further away from God's best for, the, for them. And I believe they're tempted to hide away in shame. But here's what, here's what he says to them in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. He says, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you? whom you have received from God. You 
are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. It's this crazy, amazing invitation saying we do not need to be ashamed, but we cannot stay as we are that Jesus invites us to be filled with his spirit, the same one who raised him from the dead, and that these bodies become temples of Holy Spirit, a space where heaven and earth collide so that when you and I are actually walking out of shame and into the life that he's invited us into, the people around us start to encounter the reality of heaven because we are temples of Holy Spirit. If we have stepped into relationship with Jesus, this is true, that he has bought our bodies with his blood. He has sealed us with his spirit. We are not our own. He is ours and we are his. And friends, there is no space or place for shame anywhere in that. I remember my brother Anthony not too long after his fatal fall (laughs) where he gathered with a group of us and after, after all of this had happened, we were sitting around in the living room of my grandparents. As we were there, I noticed that he was wearing a big, thick, heavy hoodie, a sweatshirt. Now, what was interesting about that is that this was the middle of the summer in Arizona. And in the middle of the summer in Arizona, you don't wear a big, thick, heavy sweatshirt unless you have something to hide. And Anthony was trying to hide his broken arm. He was in a full arm cast. And so he he wore this great, big, thick sweatshirt as a way of letting us know he didn't want to talk about what had happened. He didn't want to go there at all. Some of us tried and found out the hard way that he was really serious about that. But what he discovered is that we all knew what had happened. We had been there. We knew that he was broken. We knew that there had been an error, a fall, something that took place and that he was healing from that. And so as the days progressed, eventually he stopped wearing that big, thick, heavy hoodie and he let us sign his cast and comment on it. But the next thing that happened was kind of interesting to me. Because he started to talk about what had happened. He started to share every chance he got about his heroic acrobatics on the balance beam, about what it was like to go in for surgery and how it was going to be when he finally got his cast off. I mean, the kid talked about his broken arm nonstop for days. And I can still sometimes when I go to bed, hear his voice prattling on and on and on and on and on about his broken arm. (laughs) Now... Eventually, he moved past that and started to be a productive part of what we were doing on the ranch. You see, even in that space where he was talking so much, it's like he was trying to talk about what had happened to the point that none of the rest of us would want to. It was another symptom of shame, I think. But at some point for my brother Anthony, he realized that we saw him, we loved him, and that Even though he was in a space of healing and brokenness, he still was a full value member of our family. There were still things that he was able to contribute and do and be part of as we worked that little ranch together. Anthony learned that summer that we don't need to be ashamed, but we can't stay as we are. And you see, I think there are some of us when it comes to what's going on in our bodies that 
that we are hiding and covering up and, and trying to keep people from even noticing us. And maybe some of us are talking about woundedness and decisions and things that we're doing or things that we've done out of a hope that nobody else will address it first. But what you need to understand is that Jesus has bought you. He's placed his spirit within you if you're a follower of his, that you are a full value member of his family. You don't have to prove your worth. You don't need to be ashamed, but you can't stay as you are. That's part of the invitation for each of us. You know, another space of shame for some of us when it comes to our bodies, when it comes to trying to live out what it means to offer our bodies as living sacrifices for Jesus, to offer our true and proper worship, is actually maybe not so much shame we might call it frustration. Maybe we'd call it disappointment. It's when we find ourselves living in that in-between space where we know God has said he will heal us, but we haven't yet experienced the fullness of that healing. Friends, I know there are some of us in a space right now where we're waiting for a diagnosis. Or we've received a diagnosis, and we're not sure what to do with it where we're trying to hold out hope for what it means that God is God, our healer, that by the wounds of Jesus, we have been made whole in body. But the truth is, there's a space between now and next where sometimes we don't experience the fullness of that healing. We never experience the fullness of that healing this side of heaven. And so when it comes to our acts of worship, there's this this held back part of who we are. The place where we're disappointed that God hasn't yet brought his healing. This place of frustration that we can't get our body to do what we want it to do. That we can't force ourselves to overcome the hindrance in our way, the illness, the ailment, the brokenness that we're facing. In all honesty, this is a space that I know all too well, even this week, preparing this message. And there's a passage of scripture that addresses this in a way that, that still makes my heart tender as I press into what it is that God would have me do as a physical act of worship, even when my body doesn't want to cooperate. Here it is in the book of 2 Corinthians. Again, the same writer, the same one who has said, we offer God our body as true and proper worship. The same one who says, don't you know, Jesus bought your body at a price. You are his and he is yours. He addresses followers of Jesus and says, even in his own body, he was facing something that he couldn't overcome. That he kept asking God to bring physical resolution to whatever it was. Here's where we pick it up in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8. He says, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Friends, I think for some of us, there's a space where we've been disappointed or frustrated and we wonder if God sees us and we wonder how is it that we can bring our bodies in fullness 
when they just don't want to cooperate, when there's this thing hanging out there. And I believe the invitation is for us to receive these words and to receive the sufficient grace that Jesus offers us. In fact, the question I want to ask all of us is where do we need sufficient grace today? Because really, in those spaces of shame, in the invitations of worship, in what it looks like to thrive in body, mind, spirit, and community together, we need the sufficient grace of Jesus. So where do you need sufficient grace today? Maybe it's to receive the gift of Jesus himself, the one who created you, who loves you, who invites you into fullness of life with him. Maybe you need sufficient grace to step out of hiding and shame and into the light that he offers you, the wholeness that he has. Maybe you need sufficient grace to worship even though, even though. Whatever it is, I invite you to receive his sufficient grace today. To take your next step of living as one fit for life with all of who you are in your body. Let's pray together. Father, Son, Spirit, you are the one who made us as body, mind, spirit in community. And so I pray for my friends right now that wherever they are, whatever they're facing, what, whatever it is where they need that measure of your sufficient grace, God, that you would bring it to mind for them, that you would invite them into that space of wholeness, the invitation of next, that they would trust you as the one who leads them and that they would say with the gospel writer, with the, with the scripture writer, that they are offering their whole body as true and proper worship for you. So lead us now. Show us what that looks like even now. Help us to love you more. In Jesus' name. Amen.
Well, it's been so great worshiping and connecting and growing together and our understanding of who God is and who he's calling us to become as a church and as families and as individuals. I hope you're encouraged by that last song we just sang that there's nothing that is impossible for the name of the Lord. May we cling to that truth today. Well, as we close our time together, I actually wanna remind us of a few things. Uh, first is that there's several ways to get connected in community here at Heritage. I know for me in my life, this past year has been a whirlwind. Uh, we, my family's gone through grief. My family's gone through struggle. And I'm gonna be honest, I don't know what I would have done without walking closely in community with brothers and sisters in Christ who are holding us accountable and loving us through it. So if that sounds like something that could be helpful and beneficial for you or your family, we have several life groups, several learning groups to get plugged into. And we've made it super easy for you to get signed up. There's actually gonna be a QR code that shows up on the screen. And all you have to do is take out your phone and point your camera at that QR code and it'll take you directly to get signed up with all the opportunities we have going on. And finally, we have baptisms coming up on May 16th. Now listen, if you've given your life to Jesus and you don't know what step to take next, that is the next direct step to take that God calls us to in baptism. We would love to celebrate that with you on May 16th. If you wanna know for more information about that or get signed up, you can go to heritageqc.com and sign up. We'd love to see you there and we'll see you guys again next week.